Welcome to Tales of Glory. I would like to welcome you to episode 41. In things we discuss, things all supernatural of God through ministry, whether it's healings, whether it's books, whether it's pondering scriptures, or going through the supernatural and um, ministries of spiritual warfare. Today, I'm actually going to refocus in episode 41, back on my book, A Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare. We're diving back in at chapter 12 in Spiritual Manifestations. Last time we met, we in Tales of Glory, we talked about chapter 11 of spiritual afflictions, about you know oppression, possession, and things that can happen to people. And here we're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about what happens during when the spirits actually manifest in people, and is that possession? Is it oppression? Can it happen in both? And what do we do when they happen, and what should we do? Let's kind of dive in here. So real quick, so, you know, just out of curiosity, I watched The Conjuring 2 last night because it was free on Amazon. I'm familiar with some of the people that are involved with the Warrens because I did a, a Catholic podcast show called Demonology Today. So I was familiar with Deborah Johnson. She was actually, her story is actually involved in Conjuring 3 and Deborah Johnson was a producer for our show. Very nice woman. Loved her to death. Um, got the truth out of her, what happened to her situation. And it was cool to see. So, based on people around me, I also know other people that were involved with the Warrens. The Warrens were interesting people. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, back in the 70s, they were involved in a lot of hauntings. And the people I know firsthand from how they interact with the Warrens after watching the uh, Conjuring 2 about the, was it the Ensfield, the England uh, Emeryville Horror Poltergeist? I was just shaking my head. I was yelling at the screen like, do something, you know. Hollywood doesn't get the supernatural. And I kind of wish they portrayed that story the way it actually happened and not trying to make it part of a, like the conjuring part of like the MCU, <laughs> the CCU, the conjuring, you know, <laughs> cinematic universe. Because the story was just lame the way it was presented. And I'm not big on the Warrens. I like them for what they try to do and things they try to did. But they were misleading and they led a lot of people. I know they even have the New England um, Society of was it um, psychic research or something like that? Paranormal research? I think it's Nesper. I think it's psychic. Either way, they're, they're involved with psychic research and the paranormal. And that is goes against uh, Second Chronicles 10.13, where the transgression of Saul, King Saul, was that he consulted a psychic. And you know, God was like, he was tick, like, don't ever do that. Don't ever consult the dead like that. Now, even though the Warrens help people, I'm going to raise a lot of hackles here. You know, I'm glad they went and helped people, but I think some things they did were not biblical. And I'm not really on the side of the fence of what they did. You know, it's important we help people and come in with them when spiritual warfare is happening, teach them the right way. But they used Catholic means to expel demons, but they also brought in stuff that was offensive to God, which was psychic communication. And that's something Jesus says, no, I never do. Anyhow, Mike, what's this got to do with <laughs> spiritual manifestations? Because I was sitting there yelling at the TV because I knew Ed and Lorraine had to have some sort of knowledge. They were working with real Roman Catholic exorcists when there was demonic manifestation. In the movie, every time a demonic manifestation happened, and I, I know Lorraine and Ed would have sensed it because they were in that life. They knew when a demonic manifestation was occurring. They would have done something spiritually to shut it down. 
in the movie, they never did anything. It was like, I guess that's how they sensationalize the movie. Oh, look, you're powerless to this, blah, 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 blah. Um, I know, I found the movie irritating. So it was just like, what the heck did I just watch, right? <laughs> how do I get my life back for two hours for watching that movie? Anyhow, so yeah, I just thought it was timely that we land on this now. We're talking about spiritual manifestations in my book, A Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare. I have several books out. The first one is A Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare, the original book. It came out in 2010. And around 2017, I released an advanced field guide to spiritual warfare, which kind of updated the stuff I'd learned in the seven years since. And more recently, I released a book, Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1 through 11, which again updates more stuff I've learned since too. And that is information I've learned since diving into learning biblical Hebrew and reading the original scriptures um, and texts and scrolls in Hebrew. And to get those books, you want to go to the website, my website for the books, afg2sw.com. That stands for a field guide to spiritual warfare.com. That website again is afg number two sw.com and i'll put it in the links to these videos and these uh podcasts so you guys can access that stuff good stuff there and by the way there's some some of the stories i actually quote here testimony excuse me actually have the videos there to this particular chapter so i think that's kind of interesting you want to go look that up on the ministry page i think i have three videos or four videos and one of them happens to pertain to one i'm going to share later on here today so what do we got let's dive in no powerpoints today what? No PowerPoints, Mike. How are we supposed to follow along? <laughs> I know. It's lesson to me to learn how to read slow and project my words. So, spiritual manifestations. In this section, we're going to discuss some spiritual behaviors you will undoubtedly encounter in your warfare ministry sessions. The following information comes firsthand from my knowledge base in operating this ministry for the past 10 years. It's actually longer than this now. I'm going to crank it out now. Let's see. So, uh, 10... Well, it could be 18, 20 years, somewhere like that going on now. Who knows? Um, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> when I presented this information in my, my original courses, they were called Frontlines of Spiritual Warfare course. This was my favorite section for the pastoral staff. They just dug into it and they love it. So the information testimonies from my encounters in ministry with the real unseen dimensions of God's and spirit's realm come from this. So much of what I present is my interpretation of what I perceive to have occurred through various ministry sessions over the years because it comes from man, me, and so this information is fallible. Remember that. I'm giving information as I perceive it, and what I'm going to do here too, I'm kind of reading from the book, and I'm going to interject what I've known since I've written the book. The book was written in what, 2016, 2017? And here we are looking in 2022, so I have more experiences, far more experiences. I'm going to highlight and, and jump in and dive on. So again, information's fallible. That's why I keep correcting myself because we keep learning. If you run up to somebody in in this ministry, they're deli these are deliverance ministers do this, charismatic deliverance ministers. I know everything. Look at this person. I know everything. This should happen. This way should happen. That way, you know, get rid of them. They don't know. God is constantly correcting us and teaching us through trials. He's always updating his information on us because he wants to teach us. Remember, that's the mistake we made in the Garden of Eden. We were going to take knowledge from the Garden of Knowledge of Good and Evil for ourselves so we could be like the Elohim. And that's not what God intended. God wanted to teach us personally. He wanted to be our teacher. The Holy Spirit's our teacher. 
that's my dog dropping the ball here. Uh, get them a job on the show here. Remember, we have uh, one of our producers is here. They're dropping the ball. Hey. <laughs> so, yeah, when we run with that. It's just, it's our information is fallible. We're always learning. So that's what I want to instruct here. I won't always have the answers, but I'm striving, working with Jesus to get the answers. And as you go deeper and deeper and deeper with him, he releases more deeper answers. That's how it works. Is stuff in these books wrong? No. But I do make corrections to what I perceive through my human perception. And that's what I do in these books. Because number one, like I said, there's no methodology to this. God is a mystery. He brings a final revelation in the content present below through his Holy Spirit. End of story. So we always want to work through the Holy Spirit, nothing else. We don't work through these rooting demon books because that's working through human knowledge. We always invite the Holy Spirit in. We wait. We be patient. If the, there's something manifesting, you bind it, tell it to shut up. I'm talking to Jesus right now. And they will. They know it. That's why they're talking and yapping and going off because they don't want you talking to Jesus because that's how they get kicked out. Not through your rooting demons books. Just a quick side note. I had this thought today because I was working with a person yesterday who was a brand new Christian. And we just kicked demons out of her. Um, she was saying, well, you know, how do I know how to kick demons out, you know, and stuff like you do. It's just what, you know, Holy Spirit runs through all of us, you know, we invite him in and we have authority through Jesus Christ. Look at the, <laughs> the 70 disciples. This came to my mind early this morning. Did the 70 disciples run out? Remember, they had the Septuagint. Did they run out with their 70 scrolls <laughs> to, a, to a deliverance session? Hey, look this up. Hey, get us a scripture. No, they didn't. Those things were heavy. They couldn't lug those out of the synagogue. So you're sitting there going, well, how they do it? They just waited on Jesus. Jesus, what's going on here? And the Holy Spirit came in and fed him information on how to kick out and expel spirits. And they stood on their authority. That's how it was done. You know, the demon's mouthing off. They're going, who do you think you are? And they go, well, we're with Jesus. And the thing's like, oh, cred, we're in trouble here. That's, that's not what we wanted to hear. So, discernment of spirits. Let's start here. Before you kicked out any demonic spirits, I want you guys to start developing discernment of spirits. You could be very new at this. You're going, what the heck are you talking about, Mike? It's okay. It'll develop over time. If you don't know what's going on, the Holy Spirit will give you patience. I kind of... Um, use the analogy of riding on your bike. You're going to fall off your bike during the sermon of spirits and God's going to pick you up and put you back on your bike. Do not worry about it. I think one of my spiritual gifts, I think we're born with certain spiritual gifts. People call anointings. I don't, I don't like using anointings because I'm trying to set you apart from other people. It's not what it is. I think when God created my womb, my mother's womb, he just, hey, I'm going to give my gift of spiritual discernment. You know, just, I'm just going to turn this on a little bit more for him. I kind of think what's happened, and I had spiritual discernment throughout my life because I had this unique disposition of always living in haunted houses. It was weird. And it turns out later on, my mom had the gift of discernment, and she, we were raised Catholic, but she thought she was psychic because the Catholic Church had never taught her how to use her gifting, and she went down the wrong, wrong road, got into tarot cards, got into other stuff like that, as well as being a Catholic, and there was manifestations in her house. And I saw them, and it freaked me out. And I had a fear of the dark for 47 years till God turned it around and weaponized my gifting and I went after these things. Yep, I was afraid of the dark for 47 years. So, you know, lay off your kids if they're afraid of the dark. You know, work with them, see what's going on. <laughs> could be something for real, you know. Could be really something under the bed, you don't know. So, discernment of spirits. Before I address the various subjects and manifestations, I would like to give a quick overview of spiritual discernment. 
A season's deliverance ministry is pretty open to mystical experiences and spiritual discernment responses in his or her body. By this, I mean the body is an excellent radar for discerning the presence of spirits since we are spiritual beings embodied in flesh. That's all biblical. Mike's not feeding you heresy. The unseen reality of the spirit realm can be picked up by our spirit and the information can be transmitted to our body, physical sensory, receptors of touch, feeling, sight, hearing, and smell. Okay, I worked with somebody yesterday and they had a Kundalini spirit. And as I was praying and binding it, I felt the thing move away from the spine and start felt like a sensation like, you know, this is, I'm over Zoom doing this, right? They're, they're somewhere else and I'm, I'm not in the room with them. And as I prayed, I felt something going into my mind. And that's called spiritual discernment. It's not something's going to your mind. It's like God's giving you a radar going, he's giving you an x-ray machine to tell you which way this thing's headed. So whenever I pick up information like that, I call it tactical information. I don't share it with the person, but I confirm it with the person. How so, Mike? Okay, I was feeling something in my head tingling. I go, hey, as we're praying, I want you to tell me, are you feeling anything in your body right now? Or are you hearing anything talk to you inside your mind? And the person's going, oh, my mind's feeling really cloudy and dizzy right now, like something weird's going on. So that confirmed the sensation I was having, right? Because I know I just don't have the sensations. It just doesn't happen, especially during a prayer session. So be in tune to the subtle feelings in your body. And don't go, hey, is it happening in your head because you got someone's DID or somebody that knows how to be delivered? They're going to say, yeah, how'd you know? You know, you want to be covert and confirm your own information so you're the person orchestrating the battle with Jesus, right? So you can be an instrument of Jesus by following what he's showing you. That's why you don't use reading books. Where do the reading books teach you how to use discernment? They don't. It's nowhere no stupid books. Sorry, it is what it is. So, okay, here we go. I'm jumping back in. Before a demon manifests, your body can detect the presence of an unclean spirit. Pause right here. Do you know, if you're getting a spiritual warfare, what an unclean spirit is? It is not what we're taught at the pulpit, but it is what we're taught in the Septuagint. <laughs> it is what was taught in the ancient Hebrew. Mike, what are you talking about? Are you talking heresy again? No, I wrote a book on it. Again, Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1-11 through 11, and I cover this topic, and it's about the serpent, the divine council, and regional spirits. You need to go back and be familiar with that if you're ever going to do anything in spiritual warfare, because the information we have out right now on spiritual warfare is just, it's good. It's time to be updated, and it's not like this is a new revelation. It's an old revelation, and we just skipped over it with our, um, you know, our own intellect and stuff. It got pretty bad. So this is returning back to the theology. I recommend you go read that book. Again, it's on the website afg2sw.com. Go look at it. I'll refer to that website several times, so I'll put it out in the notes. Okay. So when I work with people in deliverance, I always pause to ask people on my team what they are feeling. So a lot of times I work with a team. I don't so much anymore because I worked in years. Before, if you're starting out, always work on a team. I'm about 10, 15 years into this, and I can sense when I can work by myself and when I can't. I still put together a posse if something's big. Got it? But like Zoom sessions and stuff, you know, it's just, I'll work with them. So I work with people in deliverance. I always ask the people on my team what they're feeling at the moment. I sense a man manifestation. Many times I first feel a sensation of pressure on my chest, okay? You'll feel that, like a pressure or something's manifesting. It may be different in you. That's why I want you to learn. This is what Mike feels, but it's pretty common. 
for me, the slight chest pressure is the armor of God alerting me to a manifestation. When I have my seasons crew working with me, I will lightly tap my chest when I have their attention. Got that? You have tactical information. Something's going on. My team knows that when I start doing this tap on my chest here, you know, like real quick, <laughs> the other person's going, well, something going to talk in your throat. My team gets, oh, and um, they'll tap back to you like, yep, we're feeling our chest. That's, we have this little signaling going on, right? Because you're kind of like the uh, Navy SEALs, you're going in like, you know, go that way, that way, you know, like signal, signal that way. Like, you know, you got to have your battlefield signals. That's one of them. So we don't want to look the person what's going on for obvious reasons, because even if you're feeling that, you have to be the biggest skeptic that it's a demonic manifestation. Demonic manifestation is the last thing you come to. So you have your team working with you like you have to dial into it. This is it demonic. Yep, I feel it is now. Right. And you go for it. So how do you learn about discernment? You can do simple exercises to develop your discernment. <laughs> These are funny. So one thing my wife and I like to do is go to open homes for sale, right? You see an open house for sale, go through it and get some upgrade ideas for your home. But we do two things. We're spiritual and we like to see what the latest um, design trends are in homes, especially kitchens and stuff like how do we upgrade our house? So we always go through the open houses, you know, we're one of those people look and don't buy. We do eventually. We Every so now and then we do. Um, but, but we'll stumble into some spiritually active houses and it's funny. Um, it's just, we'll walk and run room and I'll go, oh my, and Lisa will go, oh, you're feeling that too? I'll go, yeah, something going on here, addiction or something. But one time was funny because one town I lived in before, previously, they had this main street of old, beautiful houses. They were built in like the 1900s, you know, you know iconic America. And it was the street was maintained that way. So it was very picturesque, very Norman Rockwell. And so whenever these houses came open, I left to go walk through them because I love the old houses. And... I walked into, my wife and I, we walked in this one house and we were walking around the upstairs, beautiful house, beautiful old house. And Lisa went one direction, I went the other. And I walk into this room and I go, Lisa, come here. <laughs> Scared the crud out of the real estate agent. She comes running. What, what, what? It was the real estate agent showed up first in the room before my wife did. And Lisa walks in and walks in and goes, oh, wow. <laughs> And the real estate says, what's going on? I go, oh, we just love the color of the paint. What color paint? He goes, I don't know. We can look for it for you. I go, no, it's okay. That's all right. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's just, I felt there was some presence there that manifested in the house, right? It, it, there, was, there was activity in the house. And later I told a story to somebody else one time and they lived in the neighborhood longer than we did. And they go, oh yeah, there was some weird guy that lived in that that room or something he swore he was speaking to voices and aliens in outer space in that very room and i go oh my god there's there's something there it's dark <laughs> but you know don't don't spook your real estate agent that was kind of a funny one you know but you'll you'll stumble into haunted homes or activity homes it just happens so it's common for me to um encounter oppression homes it's just common i can feel the impression it's tangible the more you work with this the more tangible the, the, the oppression is you can feel it so what you can do when you walk into a home like this is use your body for a compass. And I shared some time back too, I think it was about two years ago, my niece got married in, in Colorado and it just so happened the town the Stanley Hotel was in, it just so happened it was the weekend of Halloween. And so I took my niece and my middle son over to Stanley Hotel. Uh, my middle son was living in my household. You're used to being a Jedi Knight with demonic. It just... So he went with me. He goes, yeah, I go check that out with you. But my niece was Christian, but she's never been trained to 
have spiritual discernment. So we walked her over to Stanley Hotel and walked her through it. She was really cool about it, but she started feeling the chest stuff. Like, you feel that? She, oh my God, I feel that. I go, that means there's some nasty spirits here. I said, we can use it like a compass and let's start walking and let the, the pressure pull you in the direction, like a, like a compass of where this stuff is at. I said, we don't have the authority to kick it out. We're not going to engage anything here, but I want to use this for training purposes to show you stuff spiritual. So as we were walking around the hotel, we actually led us up to another floor, just while filling the pool. And we ended up at this one room <laughs> and we stopped the door and go, whatever it is, it's here. And just like within seconds, as we stopped there, some paranormal people with little toys and little Ghostbuster toys and stuff going, hey, you guys found it. We're going, you found what? What did we find? That's Stephen King's room. We wrote The Shining. <laughs> We're going, oh, that figures. You know, so basically The Shining was a documentary. It wasn't a fictional story. You know, it, it's crazy. So it's just, and we taught her that. Just you can use this as a compass to, when you bless a house, walk through it. Use it as a compass. It's a different story. When you're brought in to bless a house and that person gives you permission to be there to expel, you have legal rights to expel something. At the Stanley Hotel, we were going to start a gang fight, so we weren't there to expel. We were just there for training purposes. And we prayed stuff off us and we left. It was funny because that was Halloween Saturday. I think Halloween was going to be on a Sunday. And so <laughs> we came in the back door to sneak in and the back door is dark. And this woman was dressed up like Maleficent and she had the horns we couldn't see her in the dark. I know it was demonic activity. I thought I was seeing a manifestation of demonic, but my body wasn't picking up on it. So I was freaking out. So I kind of put my arms back as this thing ascended up these stairs in the dark. And I'm going, I don't understand. I think we're seeing a demonic manifestation, but I can't feel it. And as, as it got closer, it was some woman in her <laughs> Maleficent. And I go, oh, dear God, that explains it. You know, why am I seeing demonic and not sensing it? So it's, it's just, you know, trust your, trust your radar. Don't trust what you see. I always go by that. Always fall back. Even though it looks demonic, doesn't mean it's demonic. It could be some woman in her Maleficent outfit walking in the pitch dark, but you see the outlines of something demonic and, <laughs> and shadowy. So other warning triggers of manifestations include uneasiness in the stomach and sometimes a quickly oncoming nasty migraine headache. Now, when you get these and it feels like the back of your head, like a ring, a lot of times you're encountering something occult. I used to get these a lot when I worked with... Um, satanic ritual abuse survivors remember there's thousands of parts in there and there's a lot of parts in there that hate jesus because that's what they were trained to do and even the person up front is a believer part like the core believer you have parts in the back that just they're they're flinging witchcraft at you they hate jesus and so you're starting to feel like these i call them occult headaches and they tend to be associated with typically with the occult and you stepping into something occult and witchcraft so many times, the source of migraines is from spirits calling on the power of witchcraft to engage you in battle, but not always. Bind witchcraft immediately when you feel it. You'll notice your headache begin to diminish immediately in prayer session. Sometimes after these SRA um, sessions, it took like two hours to go away. You know, it was like they were hard. But what was interesting was I did it for so long. God built up the immunity, and it became part of my discernment when I felt the occult headache come on. These were horrible. They they um, start like a ring in the back of your head, like a migraine. You couldn't turn your neck sideways. You couldn't lay down. You know, it was just, it was a full-on attack. And I just kept praying and praying and praying. And Jesus, when I work on these people, I got to have some sort of vaccination for this man. <laughs> See, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I like the Jesus vax. The Jesus vax came in and I'd feel the, um, just during the session, a very light um, attack because that became part of my discernment and I was able to push it off. And some of the witchcraft spirits are freaking out like, why is this guy hurting? You know, and it would freak those witchcraft parts more and it actually became an evangelistic tool. Like who's more powerful, Jesus or witchcraft? 
So, you know, it just it just takes time. That's not an invitation to go jump in and fight witchcraft. Let Jesus bring you into it. Unfortunately, that's what Jesus brought me into. I was drafted into it. Ah, here we go. Here's another good story. So when I was in Cambodia in 2015, I was visiting an orphanage with a team of missionaries who had just completed training in a well-known school, Supernatural Ministry. It was the Bethel School Supernatural Ministry. I entered the orphanage and instantly felt sick to my stomach like I was going not going to make it to the bathroom. It was weird. You know, like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Then I could feel something demonic. I stepped back off the threshold of the orphanage's front door to get some sort of spiritual baseline measurements. Got that? So I stepped in the front door. Sick. Step out. Oh, okay. Step in, step out. Okay, something's within the threshold here. So outside the doorway threshold, I was perfectly fine. I stepped over the threshold. I felt sick. I dismissed myself from the nickel tour of the orphanage and was giving and asked for permission to walk the house by myself. I went upstairs and could feel the areas of oppression in the headmistress's bedrooms, quarters. So the orphanage had a balcony and I stepped out on it when I heard an internal spiritual locution tell me to jump off. Got that? Something demonic was telling me to jump off the balcony. <laughs> like, oh, we got a live one. Here we go. These are called locutions. I use that term because it's St. Teresa of Avila. When you hear an internal voice, something speaking to you, they were called locutions. I kind of use this with a um, a Roman Catholic exorcist. He goes, what's a locution? You know, it's like, wait a minute, these are your terminologies. I'm trying to use them for um, fifth mansions and sixth mansions style of um, encounters. Like what? You know, so they're not familiar with that either. So it's okay. So basically when a thing told me to jump off the balcony, I knew I had an unclean spirit. Again, what's an unclean spirit? You got your homework. Go get the book and read it. Cosmology and demonology in Genesis 1 through 11. You'll find out. I walked the rest of the upstairs and could feel the areas where the spirit was tormenting the children at night. Later that evening, the ministers asked me how come they couldn't feel the presence in the same way I could. This was the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. These were some good people I was with. Um, I have pros and cons about the BSSM. Um, in the earlier days, they had some great people. Now, I don't know. But, you know, that's sidetrack. I don't want to rabbit trail here. Anyhow, so the, the people from the good days came in. So how come we couldn't feel that? I believe that since part of my ministry involves battling the occult on nearly a daily basis, Feeling manifestations is almost like a trained muscle reflex, right? It's involuntary for me now. I feel it. Not all the time. Sometimes God will just let me be. Is like, like, oh, there's a spirit. There's a spirit. There's a spirit. You know, God's not doing that to me. It's when he wants me to engage or understand something about it, he will turn on that spiritual discernment. So when I interviewed the headmistress at the orphanage, she told me an incredible story how a headless shadow would come to the wall and go over to the kids' sleeping quarters and shake their bunk beds violently. The headmistress explained to me how the bed shaking had stopped. She was taking authority over the demon to expel it. She took it. This Cambodian little Cambodian woman took it. Like, you stop it. In the name of Jesus. So she shut it down. But it was still there. I could feel it. One of the helpers to the headmistress was a former Buddhist. She witnessed the spiritual authority of the Christian headmistress and decided firsthand that this Christianity thing was real. Right? So this is, the, this is a land where it's very spiritual. Right? We have Buddhism, Hinduism, and Cambodia. And when she saw this headmistress take authority over these spirits, which is something they're not, they're taught they don't have. And she was like, wow, what'd you just do? You know, like took authority over the name of Jesus and stopped this thing. It's like, we're talking, this is like, this is like poltergeist activity, right? It's shaking the kids' beds at nighttime. So I was just amazing how these Christian women were dealing with it. You know, they were pushing back on the enemy. So as a side note here, I happened to have videoed this walkthrough with the headmistress. And it is on my AFG number two, SW.com website. 
um, go look under the minister um, menu item and pull down. There's some videos there. And one of them is haunting in Cambodia or haunting in an orphanage. And um, I document the walkthrough there so that you guys got this one. It's kind of cool. So what about seeing demonic spirits? This one is pros and cons. I have my pet peeves. It could be powerful or it could be somebody lying. So on occasion, God will allow you to see in the spirit through his grace. It is through his grace, right? If he wants to see it, we'll see it. If not, we don't ask to see it. It is not something we ask him to reveal to us. On occasion, I'll see spirits, but not often. I'm highly skeptical of number of deliverance ministers who can see spirits all the time. This is kind of interesting. Like, I have a joke that people can't take me places. I am a foodie. You know, you tell by the look at me. I like my food. And so I stop off at nice restaurants. And a lot of the nice restaurants, older ones, are haunted. And my son and my daughter-in-law took me out to a place in Florida. It was Taco something, Taco Bill, something like that. A very popular place in Jacksonville. And I walk in, I go, holy smokes, the spidey sense coming on, tingling, right? And again, this is around Halloween. I don't want this stuff always, always happens around Halloween. So the waitress comes to our table and she goes, um, hi, you know, can I take your order? And I go, yeah, but I have a Halloween question for you. And I go, don't take this the wrong way. And she goes, oh, what? And I go, is this place haunted? And she goes, yes, it is. <laughs> I go, I can feel it. It's right there by the fireplace. And she goes, yeah, in the bathrooms too. Um, and, and there was another time too, last September, I went out to another restaurant. I, I wanted to get this, uh, like, Great Philly cheesesteak. There was this place out in, uh, uh, where is it? Out near Mendocino. There's a little, uh, like an old um, travel inn. It's from the 1800s where the stagecoaches used to stop. There's a hotel there. And I walk in and Spidey Sense goes off. <laughs> and I sit down. I talk to the, the waitress and I go, I, I want a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. I hear he's the best here. And also, this place is haunted, isn't it? And I said, don't freak out. I'm a minister that works with these and blesses places like this. I just know. She goes, yeah, it is. And... And the waitress walks in the back and she starts telling her other friends in the back. They start laughing. And one girl comes out and goes, were you the guy who talked about the ghost? I go, yeah. She goes, yeah. And it likes to pinch girls' butts too. <laughs> I start laughing. So discernment is just on or off, you know? And it's just sometimes you have fun with it. Jesus lets you have fun with it. It's not like, you know, it's not like the, the sixth sense. Like, oh, you see dead people. You know, you just feel stuff and God just does it in a graceful way. Anyhow, there are a few souls I know who can see, and but I believe there's others socially promoting their deceptive to advance their ministries. What's this mean? They're lying that they receive spirits so they can promote their deliverance ministry. This is a bad thing to do. You can't operate deliverance ministry on deceit and pride or you'll be called out by the demons. Many times people I work with who claim to see spirits frequently in the deliverance sessions were lying or being spiritually oppressed and attacked. What's that mean? <laughs> it wasn't good. So I call these people to fake it till you make it. Never fake discernment. The ministry is full of mystical testimonies and healings. You'll get your own. They'll just come. You don't need to make them up. Ministry is not for the fake it until you make it. People coming to you for ministry are already hurting. Unfortunately, I must undo a lot of bad deliverance and ministry counseling sessions with survivors of severe trauma. As I work with satanic ritual abuse survivors, they become impatient with the time it takes for healing. So they will sneak off. I call it sneaking off and go see a deliverance minister. And they'll come back and say, well, this deliverance minister said they saw a snake around my waist and blah, 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 blah. You know, and why don't you tell me about this, Mike? Why is this going on? It takes me like several counseling sessions to undo the damage that a bad deliverance minister did to this soul when the problem wasn't deliverance, it was inner healing. So I want the light bulb to go on. Just because they mentioned they were in the occult or probably ritually abused. Oh, we got to start casting out demons. No, the sad thing about ritual abuse is the demons pretty much already left 
and they left the damage behind. And they left program parts to keep experiencing the, the, the horror. And that's what's going on with these people. So if you encounter a ritual abuse survivor, do not do deliverance. That's my word of wisdom to you. Find somebody out there. There's a few ministries, a few, very small. You'd be surprised even the big ones I wouldn't recommend. There's, If it's run by a ritual abuse survivor, do not go to it. End of story. So again, discernment is given through God's grace. He will allow us to experience mystical experiences and discernment as he sees fit. He is, a, he is God the Father and he knows what's best for us. All right, manifestations and outsourcing their sanctification. What's going on here, Mike? All manifestations are mystical experiences that occur under the grace and mercy of God. So if somebody is manifesting a demon, it is a mystical experience and God is permitting it. <gasps> what, Mike? What the heck are you talking about? Well, he revealed it to us so we could do something about it. They can happen in a prayer ministry time, but that's not what happens at all. People may contact you out of desperation to convince you that they need to meet and have demonic influences driven from them. Always be the skeptic and make them prove to you they are dealing with something demonic. That is rule number one. What is rule number one again? You are the biggest skeptic and they have to prove to you they have something demonic going on. That's kind of mean, Mike. No, because you're not helping if it's not demonic. We're there to help. Rule number two, we're up rule number one, we're there to help. So always make them prove to you it's demonic. Not everyone that comes to you is demonically afflicted. Many will be self-afflicted souls suffering from the sin of their ungodly lifestyles. <gasps> what? They need to be told to take responsibility for their behaviors. Always bring the compassion of Jesus Christ into the situation. If a demon manifests during the interview, then there's your proof, Right? But you have to make sure it's a demon. Just because something manifests, you got to make the tell the difference between is it a manifesting demon or was it a triggered, dissociated part? There's a fine wall right there. One goes down deliverance, one goes down inner healing. Dissociated parts are very clever, smarter than you are, and sometimes there's more of them in there, and they know how to look like a demon to make you run off or just to mess with you. A demon may not manifest during a meeting. Developing your spiritual discernment is critical. What's going on? Let the Holy Spirit reveal the presence of a demon. Rely on your discernment and not the person requesting the prayer. I quietly ask my prayer team what they are discerning. Ministry takes time, so have no agenda on these matters. And if you have to meet again, you have to meet again. It is what it is, guys. If a manifestation occurs, this is not a sign of demonic possession. Demons can manifest in Christians who have demonic oppression. A generational curse can manifest if it is present in the family line. A Christian living in a spiritually tainted home can have a spiritual attachment speak through them. However, this isn't always the case. What am I saying here? There's a difference between oppression and possession. With strong spiritual attachments through an oppression, that means it's not demonic possession, it means you're living in an environment that's spiritually tainted. As a demon oppresses them, he can use their body to speak or move through them, but He's not possessing them. Got that? A possession is where they fully take over the body. The thoughts are compromised and things get ugly. The person's levitating. The person's walking up walls. The person's teleporting. That is a possession. It gets slightly uglier fast. Many of the cases you will receive or look at, which people say the possession, it will be oppression. 
just the, the farther end of oppression, which is, you know, things can be kicked out. So what I have found is that many Christians are just giving the devil too much credit. Sometimes you just want to believe a situation is demonic, so the matter is deliverance ministers don't bring any healing, only Jesus does, right? So we like to go through deliverance because it will clean things up quickly. You know, that we could Thanos snap the problem away through deliverance. And even if it is a demonic, that's not that's not true. So many times we come for deliverance because we're dealing with our own bad behaviors or we're dealing with internal traumas that have to be walked out and healed by Jesus, and it's not deliverance. It must be worked through with a, a very understanding Christian counselor who as understands the difference between demonic and dissociations or trauma. And that's that's everything for healing. But then again, on a subconscious level, we fear the truth. The Holy Spirit is in charge of deliverance ministry. So whatever lie the prayer recipient is harboring and suppressing will reveal itself. I don't know if you guys remember back to my spiritual afflictions talk. I had the, the woman that came in, she was 30, and the, the pastors thought she was possessed, and I figured out she may have been ritually abused, but we didn't get that far with her. She, she just wouldn't face her own truths. Her core believer who was there, her presenter, wanted to believe lies. And it was very difficult to work with her, so I had to send her on her way. And even her mom, she lied to her mom. Like Instead of telling her it was dissociation we were working on during sessions, told her mom was demonic possession because she was afraid her mom would cut her off. So, you know, it's kind of awkward to open up here with manifestations with the fact that you may not have a manifestation. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to prove it's not a manifestation. That's how you help these people. They have to put you in the position where you're like, oh my gosh, this is demonic, so I, I know what to do now. It's prayer. You want to be able to help them. So a lot more people are avoiding their sanctification and in, instead are seeking the magic fix-all prayer of deliverance. God wants us to become more like Him. He wants our soul to undergo transformation. Sanctification and tribulations are something we walk out with Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. A lot of people want to skip this. That's too hard. Yeah, this is called a trial. Trials are hard. And you know what? God will permit demonic oppression in our trials to strengthen us. So He knows what's best for us. You know, He's a Father. He knows how to discipline us. That sounds kind of mean, Mike. He's a loving father. Well, it's it's kind of like he's he, he has to correct us. And sometimes if we're going deeper into stuff, we're becoming stronger Christians, and he wants us to become far stronger than we are now, he kind of has to rattle our cage and move us farther down the road. It's like kicking the can, right? And he'll permit demonic to do that because he knows through that trial, we will overcome the demonic through him and make a deeper relationship with him. That's why stuff happens. A lot of times when we have bad stuff happen, we don't want to see it as Jesus is permitting it, to make us go deeper in union with him. We want to, oh my gosh, I need deliverance, you know, and just get this off me, get it off me. But, you know, it's, many times we're being sent to our room on a timeout. <laughs> we're not even a timeout. When I do spiritual warfare, I've gone through horrific trials because God had to strengthen me to be in the ring to fight the big contenders. So he didn't teach me this by talking to me and have me read books. He put me in the ring, Right. And I worked my way up in fights with bigger contenders. It's like that. That's a trial. So if God wants you to, you know, it's like say, I'm fighting my giants. You know, I'm fighting giants. And then, oh my God, the giant came and pitched me in the butt. I need deliverance, right? No, why didn't you just whack its head off? Do like David did, right? That's, that's how we think in modern church. That's why I have a problem with deliverance. Because every time we go through a trial, 
And like 90% of these are trials people are going through and I have to walk. No, you don't believe it, Mike. And I know it's horrible, but I was cut off financially. Things are happening bad in relationship. Yes, it's, it's a trial. And as God shows you that and reveals it to you, he's going to walk you out of this. It's back to um, a lot of Christians are using this approach to avoid their walk in sanctification. If you don't know what sanctification is, it's how Jesus walks us through stuff and makes us go deeper with him. Spiritual direction is beneficial at this point in ministry. I do more spiritual direction in spiritual warfare than I do deliverance prayer, right? And the people come out on top because I teach them how through Jesus. I work with Jesus. I'm like the, the Burgess Meredith in there with Rocky, right? <laughs> and Jesus is teaching them how to fight. So it's, it is what it is. So remember, they need to pick up their mat and walk. John 5. If the battle truly requires someone to come alongside, then proceed with deliverance ministry. You'll know. If things are talking through them, that's not Jesus. It's, it's a, you know, or Jesus saying, hey, look at this. Help me with this. Let's get this kicked out so we can get this person farther down the road and strengthen them. So in the following sections, I'm going to cover the basic forms and manifestations that may occur during a prayer session. Again, discernment is critical. Should any manifestation arise, demons do not like to be found out. They prefer to hide. Whenever a manifestation occurs, quietly and calmly bind the Spirit in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is calm and orderly while demons want chaos. No yelling. If the demon is talking, bind it to shut up in the name of Jesus and don't talk to it. You'll see in a lot of church deliverances, that's why I didn't like cleansing streams. It was chaos. These pastors will run over when there's a manifestation. All, I bind you to shut up. You know, they're all talking over each other and nobody can hear what the heck's going on. And it just got to be a mess. So it's just, it should have been one person talking and leaving the person out of there, but they want to keep it on the line, right? And just, it's, there were some things that, were, that weren't right with cleansing streams. Kind of, a, like I said, I repented from those years. But, it, you know, it, we learned through stuff like that, which is good, but I don't think cleansing streams ever adjusted its course or, or made corrections to itself, which is bad. And it just went off with its marketing of deliverance. And no bueno, no bueno in Mike's court. It doesn't get the M16 check of approval anymore. Ah, eye manifestations. Probably the first thing you'll ever see. The eyes are the window to the soul. When we do deliverance ministry, the objective is to have the person completely calm as we pray for them. A calm way to start ministry is laying hands on the prayer recipient and inviting the Holy Spirit to manifest His presence. Again, right? Order. Order through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit operates in calmness, not in chaos. We talked about that. If a spirit is present, it will be disturbed by the manifesting Holy Spirit. When the prayer recipient is relaxed and eyes are closed, you may see eye movements underneath the eyelids. Something's starting to manifest. This isn't always true. You'll start picking up on it the more deliverances you do. It's like you'll see, you'll feel like your discernment will kick on. I'm feeling something. You look at the person's eyelids and they're moving back and forth, kind of like, you know, REM movement or something like that. Like, well, they're not sleeping. What's going on underneath the eyelids? When you see this happening, calmly ask the person to open their eyes and have them look at you. A spirit never wants to make its presence known. The spirit won't disturb the individual receiving prayer, but it will manifest around the eyes to look at what is going on. The spirit will try to keep the eyelids closed to avoid detection from the ministry team. Aha! It moved into the head to peek out. You know, raise periscope. What's going on? Take us to periscope depth. When you see this, you are discerning with your body a manifestation is occurring. Ask the person receiving prayer to open their eyes. Someone in the ministry team should visually check the eyes to make sure it is the same person looking back at you. Hmm. 
It's not uncommon to have a demonic spirit glaring back at you through the eyes when this occurs. It may be a subtle difference, or it may be a significant difference, as though it's something else staring back at you through the eyes borrowed. Usually the manifestations are angry glaring eyes, or their eyes petrified with fear. Very low-level grunt demons will manifest fearful glary eyes. They know at this point they're prisoners of war, and it's come if the eyes be glossy and darker looking than usual. The demonic spirit is trying to avoid detection. If you're not sure if you're seeing the human soul or demon, read Revelation 20 or Colossians 2, 14 through 15, quietly and calmly, and then you'll see the spirit react to scripture. If an evil spirit responds vocally to you, bind it to silence in the name of Jesus. Some points here, though. I know I wrote this earlier on. Again, two things can happen here. If it's, you know, you always see that the hauntings, they always like when demonic spirit manifest, they always blacken the eyes out. That's the artistic license for if you're working with something that somebody's manifesting like this, they'll, their eyelids won't go black like that, you know, the whole pupil. It's usually, you look at the eyes, and the eyes are slightly darker, but it looks like something evil is just glaring back at you. And that is the possible detection of a demonic presence there, an oppression. It may not be in a possession. It may be you know, 90% oppressions. Or if it's a weird glaring eyes back at you, it could be triggered a DID part switched in. And there, it could be you know, ritual abuse survivors. They will switch in parts real fast because they fear people doing spiritual stuff. So you could be very aware, have a ritual abuse survivor if this triggers in. If the, if the spirit's not leaving or responding to it, they're just acting weird and being, you know, very rebellious or whatever it is, you know, to the, the ministry. It's quite possible you have a fearful, dissociated part that could have been, went through ritual abuse or it could have been traumatic, survived trauma. Be very careful. This is not indicative, but this is one. When you detect a spirit looking back at you through the prayer receiver's eyes, bind the spirit immediately. If you're new to this, you don't know the difference between DID and um, a spirit, just go ahead and bind it. It's not going to hurt the DID part. But if it, well, we'll go to this though. There's a point where to stop doing it because you may think, okay, I'm going to do it with association. Have the person keep their eyes open. Have some watch the eyes as you pray. If a person faints, call the person by name to bring them back. Do not speak with the spirit. Okay, fainting happens sometimes too when you're praying. Um, the demon wants to shut the person down. I calmly and gently ask the person by his name to come up. Again, this could still be DID. We're on the fence here, right? You may have to do this several times as he or she wakes up and returns to their normal state. It's common for eyes change appearance as if to a different person is in the body, but with the same eyes. Many times the eyes are glassy during these manifestations. The spirit may also start speaking when this happens. Bind the spirit to silence. Continue with deliverance prayer to liberate the soul and expel the spirit. It's not uncommon either for a person to lie down on the floor and speak gibberish and appear to have mentally checked out. Um, when I wrote this some time back, I'm, I'm kind of on the edge too. We're dealing back with dissociation, right? We, we constantly upgrade our database. You're still 50% zoned that this is dissociation. If they're speaking gibberish, it could be a young child part coming up. But I also had demonic things come up and speak gibberish as well. So again, just work with the prophetic, with the Holy Spirit, and lay hands on the person and cast out the spirits. Use discernment if the person is experiencing a demonic manifestation or if they're dissociating, right? Prayer ministers must be capable of true spiritual discernment and know the difference between manifesting demons and switching parts. 
I went to on a mission trip one time with a person that was a ritual abuse survivor. And I didn't know it then. They were acting kind of weird because every time we went, um, we encountered a lot of demonic spirits in Cambodia and Vietnam. And every time I went into spiritual warfare mode, this person would act like they would manifest. They're on our missionary team. They'd go on the floor and start manifesting gibberish and stuff. And I kept going, this is weird because this was back before I knew about dissociative identity disorder. It was probably back in 2013, maybe, maybe sooner. That's when God first experienced firsthand that there was, there was the dissociated parts. And I saw a lot in Cambodia um, with the orphans. With the orphans. I saw with the orphans. And this person was dissociating a lot. I go, what the heck is this? And we, it was annoying because I didn't know this person was a ritual abuse survivor until later. And they came to me for help like about five years later. And they do this. They get in the floor and start doing gibberish and stuff. And it was, it was ritual abuse parts that didn't like the uh, part about expelling demons. And they've been through so many deliverance ministries that even though I was ex working with somebody else, they'd start doing it in the back. So eventually we asked the person just not to come with certain certain church services if there was going to be a manifestation or to sit in the back and just roll on the floor by themselves. And, you know, it, it was strange. It was really strange. So again, make sure you're not trying to cast out a human part or a human dissociated part because you can't. It's part of the person. It's fractured. Many churches believe that dissociation can be cast out and that's stupid. <laughs> Right now, verboten. If somebody taught you that, you know, go. Don't even hang around the person who taught you that. They're messed up. You will discern this because your body will not sense a demon with an associated human part. That's what I was doing with this one woman that went this. And like, what is going on? You, you, it looks demon, but I, my my radar, my all my weaponized uh, discernment parts were not working. Okay, this is odd. So, in any case, stop the deliverance prayer and help the Christian core back switch back into their identity. You know, and asking what the heck's going on. And be aware that eyes making circular motions are usually indicative of satanic ritual abuse programming, right? Okay? It's indicative of, not, not proof of. If the person's unresponsive and this is happening, there's a good chance you're dealing with the occult programming and dissociation. Again, good chance. The eye circle are a means of summoning witchcraft. All right? They're calling in more witchcraft in the eye circle. So be aware of that. Bind the witchcraft and ask the person by their name to come up, cease deliverance prayer immediately. So you just, you enter into a gang fight. It's time just to shut down the deliverance. On occasion, I have witnessed eyes roll backwards. Use your discernment to sense a demonic manifestation. Do not use your physical eyes. Why? Because this could be a human part from severe childhood trauma that is in bondage to a demon. It may be a sign of either demonic possession or severe trauma. We don't know. Either way, find a ministry team that can discern and deal with the unresolved issues. I think we're one of the few that deal with all the above. In outreaches where I ministered yoga masters and the Holy Spirit encountered them, their eyeballs would roll back and they would manifest their demons. They would actually levitate. This goes back to, um, um, I went with Cindy McGill quite oft times. We used to go to places to evangelize very dark areas. And we would go to Burning Man lots of times. And there was yoga all the place. And we had this tent where we gave prophetic ministry to people walk in. And it's funny, the Holy Spirit would just draw them in. It was crazy. And these yogis came in and they laid at our feet and um, we're in a drum circle just playing like um, you know, worship songs. And they come in, they, they laid at my feet of all weird things. And I think the Holy Spirit put them there. Their eyes rolled in the back of their head and the two of them started levitating off the ground. And I bound it and was like, stop it, you ain't doing that. And they started screaming. It was crazy. But when they got up, I go, guys, okay, I go, what was that? We never felt anything so powerful like that before. So it was the Holy Spirit beating up on their demons. It was funny. Ah, weeping manifestations. Weepy eyes and crying are the most common signs of manifestation of the Holy Spirit. 
In the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit also called the Spirit Truth. In 1 John 16, 13, right? Nope, excuse me, John 16, 13. A soul may have opened unwanted doors through diseased attitudes and ungodly belief systems. Remember, we talked about these. These are lies that, that we believe about ourselves that are contrary to what Jesus believes about us. The words of condemnation have systematically permeated the soul, but the Holy Spirit saturates the soul in truth. Truth sets the captive free from demonic strongholds. The weeping and healing presence of the Holy Spirit are the most common manifestations you will see in deliverance ministry. The most powerful deliverances come from prayers of tears. The heart and the soul releases repentance and the Holy Spirit heals the wounds and lies with the power of forgiveness. Be aware too that all weeping is the Holy Spirit. Spirits of grief or very low demonic spirits may start crying to deceive you. Some very low spirits may manifest crying and attempting to plea bargain with you not to cast them out. They will start pointing out the spirits who are involved in the torment of the individual, which, by the way, is tactical information that other spirits are present. Bind the weak spirit to the spirits identified and continue to cast out the spirit. I have ones come up going, I don't want to leave because I wasn't even the one tormenting him. This one over here was. You're going, what the heck? Right? Okay, well, I bind you and I bind that spirit to you. So, you know, bind it to the weakest spirit and cast, cast it out. Too funny. Um, oh, back to a Burning Man story. So, talking about weeping spirits. Um, see, I document that one here. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, my, my wife and I minister a large pagan festival, Burning Man. We don't so much anymore. It just got too bad. Held in Nevada the last week of August. Burning Man always builds a temple where people go once a year to release their pain. They don't release the Jesus, they release this temple. Lisa and I will minister in a temple where the souls are hurting and bring encounters with God. Right, so we go in there to like hit them with the Holy Spirit and get them out of that demonic stuff they're in. So one year the temple was filled with spirits of death. Burning Man attendees will put up pictures and notes to the people lost in their life that year. And there's typically darkness in these temples because it's essentially a pagan environment. But this particular year, the spiritual presence was death and grieving. On this particular Burning Man outreach, while in the temple, we encountered one woman who was just wailing out loud in pain. I approached her to minister to give her grieving, but heard the Holy Spirit tell me to stop. My wife Lisa got the same message at that moment. We discovered the woman had a spirit of grief. The spirit of grief was cursing everyone that came by her with grief. Not like cursing, like, damn you, not like, like um, but it was like flinging curses on him with grief. So you just walk away with this weighted, it was sliming you. You're getting slimed. It's like it was feeding off the grievances and others, and it was a hunting ground. So this girl looking very innocent was sitting there wailing and crying, and everybody approached her, it's okay, it's okay. You know, and she was there all day. It was crazy. It was demonic. And so my wife and I felt like, oh, that's a weird spirit of grief. You know, stand back. So we kind of prayed and tried to bind it. Many who were grieving did what they came to do, release their pain and leave. This woman just stayed in the temple after grieving. Cat heard of it. Coughing manifestations, expelling spirits. During prayers of liberation, the prayer recipient may start coughing as a spirit is leaving. Too many deliverance ministries rely on coughing as a sign of demons being cast out. Yeah, this has got to stop. A lot of times I could tell if a person's been delivered multiple times, one or more times, actually it's multiple, when they start coughing the minute they start praying. And it's, it tells me that's a sign they've been delivered before. Many times when I work with new Christians who haven't been exposed to deliverance, they don't cough them up. It just leaves. Interesting. I was always, sometimes they do. On a rare occasion, like they'll start hacking. But you work with somebody that's a charismatic Christian or somebody's been delivered before, and immediately they start coughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny. And 
you know, I work with ritual abuse survivors. I had this one woman who was a ritual abuse survivor from MKUltra. And she came in because she thought she was a UFO abductee. <laughs> and they put all these things in wires into her and she's hooked up to computers at night. She thought it was an MKUltra programming. They programmed it to like, to when they came in and I did, they made them like they were alien abductions, right? Crazy stuff. So my rule of working with ritual abuse survivors is they are not to go to any deliverance ministries at all. So she was getting fed up because I kept telling her that these aliens weren't aliens. <laughs> they were her um, abusers who came at night and they under the programming of alien abductions. And we had parts coming up that, would, that, that knew about it and told us, yeah, this is what this is. But her core part wouldn't believe it. So she went off and found a deliverance minister that specialized in alien abductions. Are you with me on this one? I go, what the heck? So she played this phone thing. She goes, see, Mike, I told you this was real. And so this deliverance minister is on the phone with her going, we cast out these celestial beings who are intergalactic and fly through the galactics and do alien abductions. And okay, cough now. And this was like they're saying, she go, <laughs> you know, and then another thing. And we cast out these aliens who did this. Okay, cough now. <laughs> and she goes, see, Mike, they were coming out. And I go, oh my God. You know, that's what I was trying to protect you from. I don't know how much money she paid this person, like a hundred bucks or something like that to go through this. And she had like four or five phone calls to this person. And eventually I quit seeing her because she kept going back to deliverance and I kept pushing us farther backwards so we can move forward. And I ain't got time for that. So that's when I sent him down the road. Like, hey, you know what? Either you meet with me or meet with the deliverance minister. She goes, fine, I'll meet my deliverance minister, you know, because they don't want to put the time in to get healed. So, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's just, you know, you know, when you're praying, sometimes something will move out of the esophagus. It's true. It could be, you know, where the thing is at. It could be, you know, sometimes I'll expel something, you know, in the gastrointestinal system, right? And it may come up to the esophagus. It may come out the back end. I've had people, you know, pass gas. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I ordered to come out the way you came in, you know, because I don't know. It could have came in through a portal. It could have came in, you know, through something. And I had one person who was, um, you know, molested by another male. And when I ordered it to come out the way it came in, you know, I didn't expect it, but there was um, gastric action at the, the derriere and it expelled. So it's just, it's hard to, you know, you can't have a rule book on how this comes. God is God. And he doesn't owe you an explanation of what he's doing. And it's the minister's job to stay in step with the Heavenly Father. So yeah, if they're, start coughing right away, just stop it. Um, one of the things I do when I see this sort of stuff happening i'm praying is i'll say we need to take a break right now let's take a break um you know regain your composure you've been coughing a lot while they're regaining their composure i will under my breath saying in the authority of jesus christ i bind the demonic right now i expel you use the exact same words i spoke vocally but i'm doing it way under my breath so they can't hear me praying they can't hear what i'm saying and if there is no reaction that person's been delivered before and they're just reacting to your deliverance prayer and again, they're probably going through a trial and they don't want to face it. So it's, it's, that's how you tell. It's called tactical information. Okay, why, why is this happening all the time? You know, because you get through some real spiritual battles, some real ones, you know how long they take and you know how they behave. And you get these people that have been delivered before because they want to be demonic. And it looks nothing like a spiritual battle, only what they perceive it to look like. And it's missing a lot of the parts to the story and it's missing a lot of the logical and intellectual components to it and theological. So, 
Yeah, good times. But yeah, it was it was interesting too, like that. <laughs> oh, good times. Ah, growling and screaming demonic manifestations. In most cases, demons respond to liberation prayers, anointing oil, and sprinkling holy water with growling or screaming. Growling and hissing are common during deliverance ministry. There have been times I work with people over the phone, and both myself and the party I'm working with heard audible disembodied growls. I've done this before in Zoom and on the phone and stuff. Like, what was that? Oh, you heard the growl? That was in our living room. They go, oh my gosh, that was loud. You know, so it, it, it could be disembodied. No big deal. Sometimes a demon may try to ev evade detection during a deliverance session. So I will step away from the ministry team and read in a whisper. I talked about this previously, right? Out of your shot, Revelation 20. You can do that because that really, that really provokes them. It's not like Zach Bagans. Are you afraid of me? Are you afraid of me? I'll take you on. That's not how you provoke a demon. <laughs> but anybody who knows what they're doing with a grain of salt, we'll go to Revelation 20 and read it under their breath or just read it out loud. And they know they are doomed. They know that God is going to throw them a lake of fire and wipe out Shoal and take them with it in the end times. They know this. So they hate it. If you want to trigger a demon, that's how you do it. Not like Zach Bagans. They're not afraid of you. They are not afraid of us. We are lesser than angels, and they can destroy us. That's what it is. So don't go off like Zach Bagans or a paranormal idiot doing stuff. We're not paranormal people. We're ministers, and we do it biblically. And we this is how we do it by the book. There's no methodology, but we do it by the Bible. What does the Bible say? Tell us to do, and what does the Bible tell us not to do? Right? So people with heart wounds may be harboring demonic oppression. So be careful of that, right? And that's where screaming and growling may come out from them. Like, why did it come out from there? Like, well, if you have a heart wound or somebody did something horrible to you, there's heart wounds there. If you, that's pretty much what satanic ritual abuse is. There's thousands upon thousands of very dark, horrible heart wounds that have to be sealed that Jesus leads them out and heals it with. And again, never allow demons to distract a prayer service or deliverance session which happened a lot with cleansing streams. I'm beating up on them. It happened so many times, it was disgusting. If in a prayer group meeting or church service, move the person to a quiet room and cast out the spirit. Oh, this is a good one. This is, this is, this is old, but this is always a goodie because I just worked with somebody casting out yoga spirit yesterday too. So I'm going to repeat this one, but this is an older one. I shared earlier in this book about Stacy, the woman involved in yoga, whose spirit manifested. Manifested in church when the Holy Spirit manifested during the service. When I was brought over to silence the screaming manifestation, I bound the third eye and bound the demon to silence. At this point, the screaming demon had already disrupted the service. Do not allow screaming demons to disrupt church meetings to a church service. There was a lot to learn from this church service that, you know, I wasn't a pastor in this church, but one of the members of the pastoral staff who was a very good friend of mine came over and got me and goes, will you, I mean, I heard them screaming. And it wasn't my position in that church. It was a person in the pulpit to bind it and tell it to shut up, and they didn't do it. So I sat there and let it scream. <laughs> and one of my friends tapped me on the shoulder, come over and help me. Let's go. You know, and we've done this together. Let's go shut this thing down. So under that authority, I had authority transferred to me to allow to go shut this down during a church service while somebody else, somebody else was at the pulpit. And this was a yoga spirit, a Kundalini spirit, manifesting and screaming out loud during church service. And the pulpit, the person, the pastor of the pulpit didn't bind it. And the next service, I was appalled when the, the pastor got there in pride going, how dare a demon come to my service and interrupt my preaching, you know? And it's like, dude, you did nothing to shut the demon down, and it kind of took authority over you. You know, that's how this thing got played out. So, you know, excuse me for saying, but, you know. But, you know, I have more stories about that. <laughs> that 
podcasters. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, dear God. Oh, yeah. Deaf and dumb manifestations. Deaf and dumb spirits manifest and people are perfectly capable of speaking. When a deaf and dumb spirit manifests, the afflicted soul may be able to communicate with hand gestures. A demon may even force the lips to close against a person's will. And what do we do? We bind the spirit and make the person sit down, especially if they're flailing about. This happens a lot too. Deaf and dumb spirits usually have a lot of energy and can be troublesome. Command the spirit to release the person's voice. The sermon here is critical. Make sure you're sensing the presence of a demon and not a traumatized human part. Gosh, Mike, why do you keep going back to that? Because we have to discern dissociation over demonic. With childhood abuse or ritual abuse, a human part may surface that can't talk in fear of being punished for speaking. Ah, that's not a demon. In that case, you're dealing with a human part, not a demon, right? They, they, they come up to somebody who's taking authority over and speaking strongly to them. So you triggered them. You trigger that child part that's just ready to be beaten or take a beating, right? Or the part that, that feels like they, they can take the beating. So it's, it's crazy here. So by the way, the deliverance ministers will stop casting out a deaf and dumb demon because they think they'll come out through fasting and prayer, right? How do you cast out a human part? Okay, you can go to fasting and prayer if you shut down the deliverance ministry. It may help because when you're fasting and praying, and if you're relying on Jesus, he may, through him, expose through his grace that this is dissociation. That's actually a good thing to do. What Jesus was doing then, I believe, was correcting his pastoral staff, the apostles, for becoming doubtful about spiritual authority. Right? That's, this is Mark 9. I talk a lot about Mark 9 um, because Mark 9 is not deliverance ministry. It is exorcism. There's a difference. What is the difference? In Mark 9, we're no longer using our spiritual authority where I command you to leave, but we're using fasting and prayer and petitioning Jesus to remove the occult spirit. It's a higher level spirit. Again, there's a difference between an unclean spirit and a satanic angel. Learn a difference. Where do you learn a difference? Cosmology and demonology. <laughs> Genesis 1 through 11. So I don't believe the deaf and dumb spirit was a higher spirit in a demonic food chain here, right? Okay, so the point is, whatever little demon is before you, pray and cast it out through your authority. Don't run home and fast for a week and then come back. Take instruction from Luke 10 that even the spirit submit to us in Jesus' name. Okay? Let's take authority wherever's in front of you and see what happens. If it doesn't come out, then, you know, we've been at this for an hour. Let's shut it down. Let's go pray about it. That's okay. You don't have to kick it out right away. Jesus, you know, maybe Jesus wants you to go, hey, um, um, sidebar here. Everybody come approach the, approach the bench. Sidebar, I want the judge. Jesus wants to talk to you. Okay, face manifestations. As you lay hands on a person and pray, you may sense by hearing God the Spirit is working its way up out of the prayer recipient. Remember I told you we're laying hands on somebody and it's come up through the esophagus and it's working up through the esophagus, come up through the chest, maybe stuck in the chest. I bind you not to go down any further. Keep coming up. And by now, the spirit is working its way up through the mouth. Not always. This is sometimes you see it happen. May work their way up from the reproductive. Spirits may work their way up from the reproductive, gastrointestinal, and respiratory organs. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes up through the throat and out of the mouth. This action can be indicative that the spirit is on its way out through the mouth. This point in deliverance can take time from several minutes to hours to multiple sessions for unclean spirits to exit. There's that word again, unclean spirits. Learn what it means. 
When my two older boys were in high school, they went with a youth pastor friend of mine to Jesus Culture Conference. The worship at Jesus Culture is pretty powerful. The conferences are great for giving young people their first encounters with Jesus Christ, right? It's kind of cool. I like them. They're powerful. Some of the attendees get so moved spiritually, the Holy Spirit starts deliverance ministry inside of them, the kids. After a conference was over one Saturday night, and the next day rolled over into Sunday morning, my middle son gave me a 1 a.m. wake-up phone call. And you get those phone calls as a parent, like, oh my God, why, why are you calling me now? What's, what, was there an accident? What happened? Somebody sick? You in a hospital? You in jail? What? Blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> what's going on? Um, so I was like, what happened? Are you all right? Um, not the case here. My middle son started off the phone conversation with, it's stuck. <laughs> I go, what's stuck? He said he and his older brother were explaining a spirit of fear from a friend of theirs and that the spirit was stuck on the face and wouldn't come off. See, my son's been through enough deliverance ministry and knows stuff about what manifestations look like. It's so easy. High schoolers can do it, right? Junior hires can do it. That's why I love Night Strike. We saw more miracles through junior hires and young people than we did through the adults because the adults have their pre-Western church programming. Like, you know, the kid just went after it. So he goes, it's stuck. Um, and the spirit was stuck on the face of this individual when come off. Like, right? If you're watching the video, like, it looks really weird. You know, it's just, it's, it's a fearful look and their face all locked up and tightening. Um, so I told the boys on the phone to bind the spirit in order to release the face and order the spirit to go where the Holy Spirit told it to go. I was on the phone for about half an hour before the deliverance pressure, pr prayer session was successful, right? The spirit finally released the person's face and it left. It took several repetitions of the boys standing in their authority to make the demon release the face and leave their friend. This prayer session was my two oldest high school age sons at the time standing in their authority. Do not be surprised if you spend time here or in the spirit not to go back down in the person. Don't allow it to go back down. Bind it from going back and order out completely. Now, what's funny was there was a, this local church's whole high school group was there witnessing this deliverance at 1 a.m., including the, um, one of the counselors. And this was the biggest thing that stuck with all the kids. I mean, to this day, it's probably like, when was this, 2008 maybe? It was over 10 years ago. I still actually counseled some of the kids now. They remember me like, hey, you're a counselor. You're like, I don't know if you remember me, but your two boys were at this youth conference and they kicked this demon out of this, our friend. I still remember that. That's the thing that made me become a Christian. You know, like, so God does stuff like this on purpose. It's crazy. They, they remembered it to the T. And it's like, it's just amazing. That's that's part of it though. You know, signs and wonders, right? You know, these kids can be on a youth conference going, wow, I really got rocked by Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And then get to see Jesus in action at 1 a.m. That's how God works, right? So anyway, the, like I said, the, the, the spirit was stuck on this person's face and they had to, you know, release the face, come off the face, the authority of Jesus. I command you off the face. You're not to go back down. Don't go back down. And they start shaking because the thing doesn't want to go back down. So as the spirit leaves a person, it may throw the person's head back as he exhales it, exhales it out. Or the spirit may scream on the way out. That's an indicator a spirit is leaving that the afflicted person, you know, is, is on its way out. This may not always be the case. Always consult the Holy Spirit to make sure the thing's not lying to you and putting on a show. Look, I left and it could be hiding in the back of the head. Remember, when there are manifestations, there can be and usually are more than one spirit. Be aware, too, that the strong man or root spirit will kick out little ones, right? Hey, I left. Look, I kicked out a little one. I'm not here anymore. Um, to make it look like it left, the, the root spirit. Not all deliverance is the same. Don't always trust what you see or hear. Listen for God's instructions. A lot of times, too, the person just be sitting afterwards, sitting there just crying. It's like a gentle cry. 
It's not like this weird weeping. It's just like um, this gentle weeping, like the Holy Spirit just got them and just, you know, filling them and stuff. And it's, it's a total different look. You'll know when that happens. That's usually um, not always, but it, it happens quite a lot. I see commonly um, demonic spirits and manifestation on face and lips when I pray for deliverance ministry with former Jehovah Witnesses. Um, this is usually the behavior. Another interesting story I had in Cambodia. Um, I just flew out. This is years ago. I think it was the same. Yeah, it was the same missions trip I did the, um, with the, the orphanage haunting. I just flew in and I met with the, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry team out there. We went to a restaurant and we're talking and this one woman comes up to me and she goes, I'm a former Mormon and I think I have a Mormon spirit on me. You know, and it's like, this. I just got off the plane, long trip, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and my friend there, who was my translator, who was super, you know, amazing. This translator, if you want to hear something about the gift of capital T tongues, um, the person who does my translate, I'm not going to say his name, so I don't want to get in trouble. He received the spirit of capital T tongues where he translate languages. And he could translate English fluently. And I got to the point where I was testing him. So during my preaching i would throw out jokes there to see if people would laugh and he translated and people were laughing oh my god this guy's good so i asked him what happened he goes well he was a went to infiltrate one of the underground churches to turn the people in and got nailed by the holy spirit went home that night had a fever um got sick or something like that and when he woke up he had the ability to translate um english fluently through the capital um t tongues so he and his wife were sitting across from me and we're talking, and so I said, hey, I ordered this little fruity drink, non-alcoholic, you know, like, okay, I'm going to sit and have a good time with these people at the restaurant while I'm here. So I just reached over, put my hand on this woman's forehead, and started casting out demons, and this thing manifested on her face. And of course, in Cambodia, if you're hanging out with Cambodian Christians, they're off-the-hook Christians. This guy, the translator's wife, I don't think she spoke English, but she went hardcore into quietly intercession what I was doing and this thing was just coming off this girl off her face and stuff come off her face and I'm sitting here drinking on this drink right it has a little umbrella on it you know I don't know if it was like papaya or something like some really good um, fruit drink come off her come off her come off her it was coming off her as a Mormon spirit and she got released of it you know I'm sitting there we're sitting there in a restaurant doing it and there's no violent commotions it just nobody else saw what we were doing it was very quiet and intimate between the Holy Spirit and the, the people there and the people around us on the table didn't know what we were doing we were casting out a demon a Mormon spirit demon. And what do we do when the authority of Jesus Christ? I bind you, loose the mouth and lips, come off her, you Mormon spirit, in Jesus' name. Internal manifestations. Wow. It's not uncommon to be able to feel a spirit moving through a person's physical body. It, I've had this, felt this before, and it felt like these little eels were moving. This was weird. Both my wife and I felt it. I go, Lisa, come feel this. You know, put her hands there. I go, whoa, what's that? And it felt like this eel swimming through the body. It was crazy. Um, but when you put your hand there, they move away. And the Spirit's trying to get away from being expelled. Crazy, crazy stuff, you know? It's just, you just don't see it. So if the individual is exhibiting excruciating pain, like stabbing or electric shock, this can be a sign of programming and dissociation, right? It's just, um, they're exhibiting programming and a um, one of their parts was designed to not have them tell the truth is called a perpetrating part and it'll inflict pain because it's programmed to inflict pain. That's probably what you're seeing and stop the deliverance ministry immediately on this person and bring them back up. Human parts with dissociation from ritual abuse will relive the pain from their perpetrators or even trauma. 
You know, PTSD will relieve the pain. That's the same thing going on. That's what ritual abuse is. It's programmed PTSD. If you can't bind the pain to stop, it could very well be a dissociated part excruciating pain. All right, so stop immediately. Hand manifestations. Woo! During deliverance prayer, you'll witness the hands that do strange things like clamping shut or shaking or expressing spirit may try to defend itself using a person's hands. I worked with a person who did spirit writing and during the manifestations, they involuntarily start spirit writing. <laughs> yeah, that's where the spirit was. Who kicked it out. I had a spirit flip me off. And what I do is I get anointing oil and anoint their, their hands and middle finger and it quit flipping me off. And I said, the authority of Jesus Christ, we take back the hand, we expel you. So it's just, it is, you know, if, if they've done angelology, whatever touched the occult, it may just take over the hands. Sometimes when praying for healing, you might see hands tighten up and close. The clenching fist may be a sign of harboring spirits of bitterness, okay? If they're clenching their fists, some sort of bitterness may be going on. It just it, These are just signs to tell you what to kind of look for and ask the Holy Spirit what's going on. Is this bitterness or is this a dissociated part or all the above? Bitterness could have both, you know? And the spirit of bitterness is common manifestation when praying for physical healing and arthritis. So you could be peeling, praying for arthritis and see the bitterness spirit manifest. That could be there. Command that to go. Um, not always, but just if you see it, you know, okay, I'll pray this off. If a prayer-bound hand breaks free and starts pounding the forehead, bind witchcraft and shut down the third eye, this may be a sign of ritual abuse. Many times, a ritual abuse survivor will pound the third eye to call demons. Um, and ritual abuse survivors will also draw circles with their fingers, hands, and feet to summon witchcraft. Just bind the hands and feet and bind the witchcraft. Because the occult programming, even though the Christian host wants freedom, the occult loyal parts, these are four-year-old parts trained and under severe pain to do this, um, are cursing you. Shut down the deliverance ministry immediately. Set it down and work, you know, have that person come up and find out what the heck's going on. You may have just stumbled into ritual abuse. Okay? Ritual abuse prayer ministry requires experienced ministers equipped with dissociative identity disorder and understand the occult. By understanding the occult, I don't mean they go through deliverance of delivering them from the occult. That's not ritual abuse ministry. Um, they don't need deliverance from it. It's something way different. It's shutting down the trauma and the pain. Breathing and tongue gagging. Manifestations. On occasion, spirit may try to cause respiratory issues while you pray. Don't be alarmed. Spirits may even try to make a person look like he is gagging on his tongue. Bind the spirit in order to stop it at once. Then command the spirit to release the breathing in the person's tongue. If the person looks like as if someone is gagging or strangling him, be aware this may be a ritual abuse survivor. A perpetrating part is inflicting harm to the programming to silence the person or stop him from seeking help. If you discern this is a case, stop the deliverance session. You know, if you start mentoring um, Father Come, you know, be very careful about anything in trauma or ritual abuse that people have a hard time going to see their father because of earthly father abuse. Um, in ritual abuse programming, it's incestuous, so the earthly father could have been what was used to break connection with the heavenly father, and there's trauma, and it triggers pain. Ah, incubus and succubus manifestations. You haven't lived in ministry until you've encountered one of these. <laughs> I hope you never do. This manifests as a spirit engaging in sexual activity of the person it's attached to. Keep in mind, during prayer ministry, the incubus is a strong man. The strong man, sometimes called a root spirit, will kick out other spirits while making the prayer team think it is left too. The incubus spirit can be very deceptive to prayer ministers. The incubus spirit is a male form of the spirit that typically visits women. 
The succubus is a female form of spirit that manifests typically to men. These spirits tend to have the roots in witchcraft. They are most commonly transferred as a soul tie during sex. Be aware that a prayer minister can get slimed to experience an attack from the prayer session when he sleeps at night. Just bind the spirit in order to leave. It's important the prayer minister stay focused on Jesus, not to have issues with sex and pornography because sexual perversion sin will give the spirit a means of attachment. Ministry team members should not be dealing with sexual fantasies because this gives incubus a toehold for attachment and torment. When working with some women, they've had a difficult time in breaking off the attachment with the spirit because of the supernatural pleasure it bought them. These um, spirits can bring incredible orgasms, and that's why these women don't want to break it off till these things get super violent and it's too late. However, it doesn't take long for the spirit torments with violence. Break the sexual, spiritual attachment off the inflicted soul immediately. If you're having difficulty, the prayer recipient breaking the attachment, boldly ask if he or she is inviting it in. The spirit can easily reopen the door by offering intense sexual pleasure to the afflicted soul. Once the soul allows the attachment, the spirit becomes violent and difficult to expel. Some prayer recipients will yo-yo with begging to get rid of it, and they'll go home and allow it to pleasure them. The soul must surrender to Jesus, and the heart must realign with the Holy Spirit. The soul must regain control of its free will and push out externally stimulated desires. Now, I worked with some of these, and I had women in my prayer ministry, and while we were expelling it, we felt getting touched. Yeah. And I look over at the women, and she had the same look on her face, like, Woo! <laughs> you know, what is going on? You know, like, oh, this is nasty. And so it's you get feel the same time as Brett. No, don't ever touch me like that again. Don't you ever. So there is also a situation the spirit doesn't manifest during a day. The prayer session, the spirit, you know, could be a SRA victim. Raping happens at night and accessing happens at night where the occult comes back through dreams and comes into their minds, the spirit realm, and can do this to them too. This is what's called a night host identity, and it takes experts to work on it. This is not a lot out there who understand this. Um, I'm really appalled at the how some of these very popular ritual abuse ministries are how bad they are and don't understand this. They try to rely on the prophetic and they try to rely on um, you know, feel good ministry and that's not how you deal with this. It's inner healing of PTSD. Uh, closing thoughts on spiritual manifestations. Hopefully this information will assist you in dealing with manifestations. I hope it sheds light on another reason why you don't start prayer sessions with binding all sorts of demons, right? Take your time, find out what's going on, ask the person. You don't know what's truly going on until you hear the person hear the story. And you connect with God and hear from Him. There are lots of possibilities of what's going on with an individual. Just because He appears to be manifesting doesn't mean He is. Be the skeptic and discern what is going on in front of you if it's demonic. Let Him tell you if this is a session for prayers of liberation and expelling demons, for inner healing, or a time for someone to finally hear the truth and stop lying to themselves. Nothing or everything going on in front of your eyes may be demonic. Got that? I know I've shared some stories way back when, too, about that, that SRA person we had come in, and they put on a great show of the Gerasene demoniac, and it turned out it was a part. <laughs> we just like to mess with them. I mean, she bit her own tongue. She had blood coming out. She was throwing furniture around like she had super strength. It was just, it was just, it was hysterical. Um, I hate to say hysterical looking back on it, but it was amazing that my discernment caught it. And the woman who was working with me, they're amazing. I work with two women. And the woman that brought me in to work with her, um, said, Mike, I need to have a look at this because I'm seeing a demonic possession, but I'm not feeling demonic possession. And so she brought me in. I go, oh, my God, you're right. This is a part. And she discerned it was a part, too. And so <laughs> this person looks at us. It was funny. Okay, this is my show, so I can do whatever I want here, right? So I'm going to 
say what this, this person said. And she, this person looks at us and goes, you're the first mother effers in deliverance ministry to ever figure this one out. <laughs> it was funny. Um, sorry. But sometimes, you know, it, it's more real than it is. You have to go with the rolls and the punches here. Stuff that comes out of people's mouths. But it was true. It's like she went through so many deliverance ministries and they didn't catch what was happening here. It was dissociation. And this person actually came from a church. They identified themselves as deliverance ministers and they had a doctor in deliverance. And I feel they were one of the worst people to go to because they've kept people in bondage. Stay away from, in fact, it was interesting because early on, that's one of the first churches I knew in my area knew deliverance. And I wanted to go learn it because of stuff that I was going through and how to learn how to deliver people. Um, and Jesus never let me go to that church. He goes, nope. I don't want you going to that church. I couldn't figure out why until later on. Um, these people actually wanted to come and be intercessors for our ministry. And they were horrible. They were trying to tell us how to do things. They were trying to tell us we needed their covering because ours wasn't big enough. And you're going, you have no idea how big ours is, guy. <laughs> you have no idea. But it was just all pride. And, it, and eventually, um, as we kind of pushed them out from our intercessor team, it got really ugly. you know. So we locked down our intercessor team and who could be on it. But yeah, I hope that helps you in... in understanding manifestations you have to discern which is what and if you don't start getting training on dissociative identity disorder real fast there's so many ways to do it um, jim wilder has some good stuff out there um, living from the heart that god gave you is some good information he, he has a thin little book but i call it a phd dissertation on um, dissociation he has great stuff on the internet start learning the difference because it's it's his information is more is on inner healing is more beneficial on working with occult uh, survivors. I'm not a big fan of the Hawkins, and I'll say it right here and there. And second, because it takes a long time for people to be healed, and I'm not believe a lot of these people who are leading these ministries on satanic ritual abuse survival um, healings are healed. I said it, and I won't repeat it. And there it is. And I know when I say stuff like this, that's where I get my, my thumbs downs on my videos, but I don't care. I have to educate you people. And it's not like I'm competitive and looking for money because it's not that. I don't make money here. I make money off of, um, you know, doing work, doing my other jobs. And it's not through ministry. Ministry is a passion and ministry is helping people. Believe me, I'd starve to death if I was making money off, uh, <laughs> off ministry. And... Yeah, because it takes money to have a building. It takes money to have rent. It takes money. You know, it's like a business. It's like a small business. And it's it, there's other ways to make money. And I do off the side, too, because I have to um, to keep food on the table. Back in this in this, this environment now, inflation's so high, I'm looking at maybe getting a second or third job. Anyhow, um, if you guys like to bless the ministry, God will take it. But the one way you can really bless the ministry is put likes on our videos. Go out there and like us. Um, go out to www.afg2sw that's number two sw.com um, again go look at the book um, Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1-11 through 11. Cosmology is about creation of the universe it's not about beauticians that's cosmetology and everybody goes hey a cookman's about cosmetology no you're not learning how to do hairstyles here no. God did that for us in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden he chose us how to help us how to do our own hair but here we're talking about cosmology the beginning what did the creation of the universe look like and what was involved? And we had spiritual beings with Jesus in the early times, and Jesus was at um, the Garden of Eden. Cosmology and Demonology. Go look that book up. It's on Amazon. Um, I think it's one of the best research books I have out there so far. I am currently reading out of you out of a, a field guide to advanced spiritual warfare. 
also available at that website, also available on Amazon. And another good book for getting started, the book is A Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare. That's one I produced in 2010. A really good book compiled. If you're getting started, I would start there because it helps you give you a, a baseline of what we're into. And the advanced field guide starts talking more about dissociation and what's going on in fractured souls. So it's kind of like the advanced book. You need to know that. And if you want to know what the heck's going on with spiritual realms, cosmology and demonology. Again, we can always love being blessed. This podcast will be at a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. I think on the right hand side there's a PayPal button. We could always use the help. Like I said, this is the first time <laughs> our bank accounts have been Hail Mary since we started. I mean, I think we started out with more money. Um, there's no there's no missionary money here. I'm been asked to go on a missionary trip into another dark place. You know, I'm guys going to Burning Man. I'm not going there this year. I haven't gone in a while, but I've been asked by Cindy McGill to go to another dark spot with her. And there's zero funding in that right now, and I need to start getting prepped for it. So, um, and you can go to PayPal, m16ministries at gmail.com. Um, send us money there too. We'll help. I, I'm not begging for money here. This is always free. I always tell people like, you know, people leave on my, my blog spot site. You just want to sell books. If I just want to sell books, how come I'm going through these chapters for free, right? Uh, my passion is getting the information out to you. If you have questions, feel free to ask questions on the YouTube site. Um, there's a field guide to spiritual warfare, Facebook I'm there. That's a good place to get a hold of me. I'm still trying to figure out how to block things because when the occult, once the occult finds out my email address, they blow up my mailbox so I can't help you guys. And so I'm trying to figure out a safe way to do that. So far, I noticed a lot of the ritual abuse survivors and, and stuff don't have Facebook accounts. Some do, some don't. And some are afraid to ask on Facebook, but that's where I'm at. That's how you get a hold of me. Anyhow, I love you guys. I hope you learned a lot. And from the M16 headquarters, I'm getting out here before it gets to be 112 degrees today. Happy June the 11th. I'm trying to get back into this. Like I said, we had a few rough things. We just um, were able to bury my dad last Friday. Um, it was a week ago Friday. With his full military Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Arners, 21-gun salute. That was a really beautiful thing. And I'm trying to get back to my podcast and get things rolling here again. I didn't prepare PowerPoints. It was just like there's so much stuff going on here. I just read from the book and interjected what I know now. If you guys have questions, please ask on the YouTube comments. Please ask on a field guide spiritual warfare.blogspot.com or hop over onto a field guide spiritual warfare Facebook page and leave comments there. I've had people leaving their own videos from the ministries on my Facebook site. I think that's kind of not cool because you didn't run it by me. Uh, if you're trying to pimp your own ministry, I'll do it. Hey, Mike, look at this, because it doesn't give me the chance to review it first and then post it, because I'll post it if it's good. Um, it's just like, you know, don't don't pimp yourself on my side. I'm not going to pimp yourself on your side, right? Uh, it's just, it is what it is. I had one individual do that, and it just and stuff was all right, but I don't know what they're publishing. I don't want to delete stuff off my thing that other people publish, if that makes sense. So it puts me in a predicament. Let me let me review it first. Go, hey, that's pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll post it. Um, it just takes me out of the review process. I know anybody will do that because I don't know what's going in there. I don't know if the person's an occult survivor because many times they'll publish something and something in the middle of the, the video will be twisted and people are going, hey, Mike, why'd you let this on here? You know, so there's reasons why I police it. Um, anyhow, just a reminder, but questions, fair game. Leave your questions, leave your comments. But um, if you're doing your own videos or stuff, podcasts like this, let me review it first. I will post it. I have people I, I absolutely love, like I've been posting them. Um, Heidi Matheson's um, stuff on my website too. 
and she has some good stuff. She's a dream healing counselor, and I like her perspective, so I post her stuff online. If I like it, I'll post it. It's not just about me. It's about stuff I think will help you guys. Anyhow, I'll put a link on her stuff, too, on the, the blog spot, too, because she's she cranks it out faster than I can, and she has a great book out, too, and I'll probably link to her book on this as well. So you guys need to come up to speed on inner healing real fast if you're going to be doing anything dealing with demonic possession anything, because it's, these people have to be healed. They have to be walked out. It's not just a deliverance. that Thanos snap and they're healed. It doesn't look that way. It's years of healing. All right. I rattled enough. I've got to beat crematoria heating up here. The sun is rising and it's burning in my little office here. So until next time from the M16 bunker, God bless you guys. Amen.